Welcome to the future of energy, where we'll meet the people who are working with the products of tomorrow. In each episode, we'll take you a step further into the world of electrification, from the roads we travel on, to the vessels that navigate our oceans, and even the skies above. We'll unravel the threads of innovation weaving together the clean energy future. So fasten your seatbelts as we navigate the future of energy, one conversation at a time. Good afternoon. I'm your host, Emily, and in today's episode of The Future of Energy, I am joined by Siddharth Kular. Welcome to the studio, Sid. Thanks for having me. So today you will be talking to us about AI machine learning, but mostly about machine learning. And I think the best place to start is what is AI and machine learning? So in simplest terms, it's essentially a machine's ability to attempt and complete complex tasks at a level of performance that's at least as good as a human or sometimes even better. Mm-hmm. That's the academic definition. Yeah. And, you know, colloquial definition depends on who you ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll give you different answers. Because 2023 was an interesting year for AI machine learning. Got a lot of attention and a lot of people started questioning what's going to happen to the world and us as, as humans. Do you have any comments on that to settle people's nerves? I think we'll be fine. I think we've, we've always uh, had the early paranoia set in. Uh, in fact, 2023 was the year when it came mainstream. The, the inflection point, there were a few inflection points. One was in 2012 when the first big machine learning model beat uh, the benchmark of all computer vision algorithms mm-hmm. ever. So uh, the first deep learning model actually was trained on a GPU and so on. That was, I think, 2012 uh, called AlexNet. And then the next one came in 2017, which is the famous papers around uh, called self attention is all you need. Uh, was the title of the paper. Oh. Uh, because it was based on this uh, new neural network architecture called the transformers mm-hmm. or self-attention. Yeah. Which has now turned into, you know, what you call mm-hmm. LLMs, what we come to see as yeah. large language models or large multimodal models. Mm-hmm. But it's like the typical uh, reaction, right? Like when computers and the internet became a sensation for everyone, and it was open to everyone. Everyone started freaking out. But it already been around for a while, especially like governments have been using it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think I think we are going to be fine. I'm, I'm actually very hopeful, uh, not just because I need a job, but <laughs> yeah. also because uh, it's exciting to be part of something this transformational mm-hmm. and be able to, you know, use it, apply it, shape in, in some way or form mm-hmm. in our industry, in our at our company. In general... We as humans, you know, we have uh, there is there is enough ingenuity to to figure out how to put this any technology that comes our way or we yeah. develop ourselves to put this to good use. Mm-hmm. So overall, it will be a net positive. Obviously, mm-hmm. there will be bad actors. Yeah. Uh, we will deal with bad actors as a collective, you know, benevolent civilization. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm just using big <laughs> words, but. Uh, Getting it's deep just and my, philosophical. <laughs> yeah, it's just my it's my optimism. I'm I'm an optimistic yeah. person uh, yeah. in general when it comes to technology. Yeah, and but I why... think there are enough powerful companies and powerful people in the world mm-hmm. that uh, will um, make the right decision, mm-hmm. even though sometimes they will be largely economics driven. Yeah, but I believe they will be positive mm-hmm. for the people. Well, it's a tool for us. I yes. mean, that sort of is that how you would see why it's necessary. To I, develop. 
Yeah. I, so, you know, one of my very close friends, not in Northwold, here in, in Stockholm, though, uh, he, he says this, this sentence, uh, which is quite, it means a lot, and it has a deep meaning, is AI will not replace people. Mm-hmm. It will likely be the augmentation. So it will, it will replace the people who do not use AI. Yeah. It, and it will replace them with people who use AI. Mm-hmm. That's a very key differentiation yeah. is AI will not replace the people. Mm-hmm. It will likely be the people who do not use AI with the people who use AI. And in this case, it could be the same same people yeah. who just start adopting it. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's an augmentation, not, a, not an alternative. So how would you say AI and machine learning are transforming the battery manufacturing process? We see as a company, and there are many teams using and playing in the sandbox of machine learning. It's not just my team. It's there are, at least I can count four different teams that Mm -hmm. are using data and machine learning and algorithms in some way. I think it's important to make a distinction around some of the hard science problems versus some of the day-to-day data number crunching problems where you have immense amount of data that uh, you'll be unable to to process uh, using traditional classical machine learning. So you need deep learning, which is uh, a whole different field of how you build models and draw inferences. In terms of science, I think I think we are still we're still bouncing between uh, the idea of how much physics do you need to encode in these AI models that we develop, mm-hmm. versus how much of it can you just be uh, you know, in typical terms, it's called end-to-end learning, mm-hmm. where you just show it the raw sensor or the raw data, where a domain expert will likely convert the raw data into some features, like it's essentially translation yeah. of one language to another. In this case, mm-hmm. it's raw sensor data to something that is more understandable for the domain experts, mm-hmm. like, you know, discharge curves or and so on. There are many different features. So now we are going towards how much physics do we need to encode? And we are testing that, is how much physics do we need to know? What can we actually uh, just assume that the model can learn? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's a very exciting space. That brings two things forward. One is we can start working with more and more unstructured data. So, so far, one of the biggest challenges is to bring unstructured data into structured form. And the other uh, exciting area is uh, around uh, material science. So for our industry, material science is a, is a huge pillar. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we can take a chapter from the drug discovery playbook is how they have applied AI to discover new drugs and uh, utilize genetic sequencing and other imaging techniques to inform how to formulate drugs. Yeah. So we've been thinking about in that, in that space and playing, playing with that. There is the data team in digitalization uh, under Marcus Ulmeforsch, uh, and they've done some incredible work on bringing a ton of data from the sensors into a large data lake, which enables a whole bunch of analytics and dashboards and business intelligence in the factories. But also now we have work, we've been working together to how to pull that data out and start making certain decisions around population of cells around asking questions to unstructured data using large language models. Mm -hmm. Thinking about how we bring together the knowledge around process failure modes, around control plans, around quality data, and combine it with the factory telemetry data Mm -hmm. and make better decisions. So we've been playing around in that space. We don't really have Mm -hmm. anything uh, concrete to share. I think the team has made 
some very exciting progress, mm-hmm. but it's also been very much like, oh, this would be cool to do. <laughs> oh, that would be cool to do. What if I could, you know, make this graph red or orange and yeah. how would this work? So mm-hmm. it's a lot of exuberance in the beginning. Yeah. But I think now we are settling down and being humbled a little bit and mm-hmm. really focusing on what should we ship to the factory and to the customer, mm-hmm. customer being at in this case immediately yeah. so that they can do much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because just just to break this down, the complexity of battery manufacturing in the first place is enormous. Oh, yeah. And it's still so new in terms of just this type of manufacturing and especially at the scale. Yeah. So it is a tool to use something that can help out with, like you said, breaking down or even simplifying data that people can then understand. But AI, of course, and machine learning, you're able to feed something that can keep learning, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so th- you have two, th- two points there. One is we don't know what we don't know, mm-hmm. right? And how, how much do we want to branch into the unknown unknowns of the problems that yeah. we think we could solve in battery manufacturing, mm-hmm. right? And then there are things that we know we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've picked the second one. Mm-hmm. Things we know we don't know. Let's exactly. go actually challenge those assumptions and mm-hmm. ask the questions of what can we learn from what we already know how production process works. Yeah. And how can we inform certain decisions, certain process optimizations, mm-hmm. predictions, anomaly detection and so on. Yeah. Then I think we will we 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 are very hopeful that that will show us the path in a structured manner mm-hmm. once we have the substrate and the ground built right then we can start branching into the unknown unknowns of what two intuitive areas in battery manufacturing could you connect and understand cause and effect analysis mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so i think the, those are the two big buckets of of projects yeah. and and things we think about mm-hmm. and the second one can pretty much span all the way from from CAM to Revolt. Uh, right now, we are super focused on on cell. Yeah. Uh, is is material comes in slurry all the way to end of line and product development in labs, which is also very similar. And there are some fixed rules that you mm-hmm. can play with. Exactly. But the unknown unknowns is what we are very excited about. <laughs> I can uh, understand that. Because that the becomes, opportunities are yeah. Endless. That's just uh, yeah. That's uh, endless opportunities, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that kind of goes so uh, materials. So cathode active materials, what we're talking about with CAM and Revolt is the recycling material. Mm-hmm. How would you say machine learning and AI impacts or could impact material selection, cell design, and, of course, the manufacturing? So it's I'm not a material scientist, right? Uh-huh. So so whatever I say may come off uh, being insensitive to to a lot of the hard work that goes into mm-hmm. picking a material, right? But again, this is a lot about that domain expertise. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a common denominator of that domain expertise around material science. I think we'll very soon be able to have co-pilots that learn, have learned that common denominator of what it means to understand a certain amount of material science. Mm-hmm. Then there is the human element on top, which mm-hmm. is, you know, the experts in CAM R&D and CAM teams and experts in Revolt and, and uh, in the in the our own proprietary processes. I see that's one opportunity where you can offload a lot of the heavy, heavy lifting that is time consuming and repeatable and rather not necessarily moving the needle yeah. so much, mm-hmm. but is very essential to be known. 
and enabling our people mm-hmm. with uh, with those types of tools uh, where we can really cut the latency of idea to um, a mind map yeah. of what do I need to do next mm-hmm. and how uh, could be very, very useful. Yeah. I think the second thing is in manufacturing is both processes are are extremely expensive, right? So so CAM is very expensive to produce. So we could, and this is again, something that we hope to start doing soon. We have not really ventured into that, uh, those two uh, areas yet mm-hmm. as a team, except digitalization has been, that team has been supporting a lot of the manufacturing uh, bring up for yeah. upstream. Mm-hmm. They've been having conversations there. But in the sense of, of us being able to uh, think about how AI descends upon the problems and how it helps, mm-hmm. I honestly feel in in uh, improving our yields and in, in material quality and the the big back production out of upstream mm-hmm. and what goes into revolt yeah. and, and how to think about that. We'll find opportunities there. Mm-hmm. But I think we have to get the basics right first. Yeah. Right. So future wise, would these sort of systems be able to identify a much quick like in a much quicker manner if something is in a specific area of manufacturing that's not going yeah. Right or correctly. Yeah, I mean that that is a that is a paradigm that already exists. Mm-hmm. I think in different material manufacturing yeah. uh, industries. So anomaly detection mm-hmm. based on some some things is is a thing. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's that's definitely more like applied mm-hmm. machine learning. Mm-hmm. It's about putting a sensor in, and I on I I also feel our deep understanding of our own cam mm-hmm. uh, can can lead to even better manufacturing improvements mm-hmm. uh, if we can start to think about you know the the small scale particle level yeah um, features then there's of, less room for error yeah particle level features of what are the properties of the particles that mm-hmm. actually lead to a problem when we are producing a ton of it how how would we change a process parameter to improve this property of a mm-hmm. particle right and there's a lot of imaging and there's a lot of offline sensing that goes into particle analysis and yeah and so on. So I think there is a there is an opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't really touched that. When I joined the company in the beginning, I was very excited about all the imaging applications, but yeah. then <laughs> got humbled by our leadership and said, you know, we got to fix this first. So <laughs> yeah. we started focusing. Take one step at a time. <laughs> yeah, one step at a time. Bite as much as you can chew. Yeah. So we we talked about before some more like specific applications in the manufacturing process. Mm-hmm. You were the one that mentioned to me that it might be Interesting to talk about quality control, predictive maintenance, yeah. and material selection. Yes. We talked a little about material selection, but would you like to just touch upon quality control and predictive maintenance? So I do want to say one thing about material selection. Go for it. One last thing is it's a, there's, it's about material screening. So in R&D, mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. We have an electrolyte. The electrolyte is, is a very, very crucial component, mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of the tuning happens across the yeah. industry. The electrolyte has a bunch of different components. It's not one molecule. Mm-hmm. It has a bunch of different molecules. Then those molecules form components, and then electrolyte is formed by mixture and proportions of those components. So it's mm-hmm. a multi-tier process yeah. of molecules. Mm-hmm. We are very excited about thinking through how to screen the composing molecules that go into those components that form the electrolyte. Mm-hmm. So you can tune the properties mm-hmm. of what you want that molecule or that family of molecules yeah. to do. Like one example is additives. Mm-hmm. We can tune the additives by 
tuning the property, and that can be done using machine learning. Mm. That can be done using AI, where the properties are objectives mm -hmm. and the molecules are uh, the things that you're tuned. Yeah. So there are some exciting, interesting work. We, mm -hmm. we are not reinventing the wheel in any way, but we have a few secret recipes there <laughs> yeah. uh, that we are playing around with. That's uh, fun. That we think like we should be able to have a significant, how do I say it, like a, you know, a, a jumping platform mm -hmm. where we can jump forward whenever we want yeah. on some very specific problems because mm -hmm. it's very expensive to test to do trial and error Monte Carlo or like a matrix simulation of yeah. molecules and properties. Mm -hmm. And that can be done in ML. Okay. Uh, so that I'm very excited about. Mm -hmm. But coming back to your, your question. So if you just want to break down what kind of applications you would use or how you would use AI machine learning for quality control mm. and maintenance as well. Yeah, so there are, there is, there is the, you, you start thinking about it from the perspective of, okay, what are the physical processes that are happening at the machine level or at the process level yeah. that today inform us to schedule maintenance? Mm -hmm. uh, and if you start thinking from that perspective, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, we've done incredibly well. The, the, the MES and the, and the data team here in the digitalization team has done incredibly well is to collect a lot of data. Mm -hmm. If you ask some people, they'll say that's a bad choice because we are collecting tons of telemetry data that's useless. Yes, it is. But at the same time, that's a strategic choice mm -hmm. that we made. Yeah. But then you, when you start to look at that treasure trove of data, mm -hmm. then you can ask questions like, oh, what are some key things that I should be studying mm. to inform my maintenance schedules mm -hmm. better? So that's one way to think about it is, is yeah. machine telemetry data can be quite useful that you can then associate with performance of cells, which we also yeah, collect, uh -huh. right? Yeah. When the cell comes out of the line, it has a few performance parameters that we measure before it goes into a wrapping section. So you have all the machine telemetry data, you exactly know which day did it come from, mm -hmm. uh, and what process did it go through? Mm -hmm. And you can look at the maintenance schedules of that process, and you can start to track how things are changing. This is no rocket science. A lot of industries do this. Mm -hmm. uh, we are not inventing this. Yeah. Uh, but that's one application we think is very interesting, is being able to control that mm -hmm. whole data stack. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is one reason why we do a several number of things in house. It's a it's a key advantage, even though you know we may not be the masters at it, but the but the philosophy behind why we do it is you know in cases like this mm -hmm. uh, when we start to think and try, yeah, uh, it shows. Then you have all that data to yes. play with, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Wow, that's super interesting. Mm. That's that's true. I mean, it, it becomes more predictable if you know what is happening. You can go back. I'm very hopeful. 2024 will be fun in, in some of those spaces where we start thinking and implementing something. Yeah, you get to play around more. So what would you say are the general challenges for the industry when it comes to implementing AI and machine learning? General challenges for uh, the, the battery industry? Mm -hmm. I think one, one challenge is to choosing the, the correct integration strategy. And what I mean by that is all the way from designing the product, which is a messy process, to all to taking it to a pilot line like labs, mm -hmm. a B sample line, and then taking that to a giga line yeah. and having traceability of all that data, mm -hmm. right from you know your coin cell, out cell experiments, all the way to the giga manufacturing line. Mm -hmm. 
that's a huge challenge because you know this it's a it's sort of a an implicit challenge because we have a it's a messy process to go through those phases and yeah. oftentimes you want to move very fast and we drop things on the floor that don't necessarily get picked up mm-hmm. and the traceability of that data breaks mm-hmm. and we lose a lot of the why we are doing something today yeah and you have to trace it back in a manual manner mm-hmm. i think that's one big challenge it's a lot of data and a lot of it's a lot parts. of data which is sitting in different places and it's hard to join it and mm-hmm. think about it in a serial fashion. Yeah. That's I, I honestly feel that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. And do you think that that's the hopeful future is that AI machine learning can help out with Yeah, so I think with with unstructured data techniques, mm-hmm. I'm not saying like you could just upload data on ChatGPT and it'll solve your problems. Yeah. That's not what it is, but what these new types of large language models or or these transformer models that can look at very long contextual sequences of data to mm-hmm. understand what's going on is is something that is very new mm-hmm. and that opens up a space that hasn't existed in enterprise software mm-hmm. which is being able to not care about how you organize your data actually look at it in an unstructured manner now that said there are still nuances that sit in humans minds mm-hmm. and memory yeah on how decisions were made and coin to pouch to be sampled to giga mm-hmm. right that process is still pretty messy yeah and i think that's still challenging mm-hmm. uh, to think about i think the other challenges we as a as a battery industry and academia we don't necessarily understand all the physics we understand it we have it documented but we don't necessarily use a ton of it in terms of accurate data driven model development so what i mean by that is a lot of our a uh, computational understanding of battery models that we do simulations with is quite approximated mm-hmm. so what what phys- the physics models that explain the battery physics there is a lot of approximation that happens from taking those physics models in on paper to computational simulations i think there there is a huge assumption bridge mm-hmm. that becomes weaker and weaker when you start to stress it uh, with trying to tune the battery to mm-hmm. to beat certain performance specs mm-hmm. So I think that's another challenge is is uh, and that field is moving very fast. I'm very excited about how you know some sparks of machine learning help improve that area. That we are very closely mm-hmm. watching yeah. and also investing in. Mm-hmm. Um is how do we improve our physics based understanding of what's happening inside a battery at different phases. Mm-hmm. Right from that's materials all the way to end of life. Yeah. I think that's super exciting mm-hmm. and that knowledge can be brought back to build new types of so that can happen in of a simulation in right wow okay right we have a incredible simulations team so you know in, in mesros you know what's happening before you even we can make better guesses yeah today we make guesses but mm-hmm. they are sometimes you know constrained mm-hmm. we are constrained by by computational complexity that mm-hmm. is very hard to derive yeah. parameters from. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that made sense but I think it did in my head. Uh, <laughs> so today we have the way I look at it is a lot of assumptions and approximations mm-hmm. in in that on those computational simulations. So yeah. they can become realistic. Think about going from a 2D Prince of Persia game in the 90s <laughs> to uh like World of Warcraft or uh, Fortnite. today. Okay, yeah. Right? The yeah. the the rendering and the, graphics, and the accuracy yeah. mm-hmm. of what you see on your screen has improved significantly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 
I think that's because we have understand the physics of how we can interact with light mm -hmm. in computers. Yeah, right. Make things look more. There are real. better models yeah. of of how light behaves in the real world that mm -hmm. you can implement yeah. as a program. Yeah, I think that's mm -hmm. happened because we have studied those parameters yeah. very closely. Mm -hmm. We have computational power that mm -hmm. can do that. So it's the same kind of physics that you're referring to. Then it's when the it same kind to... of physics, like that's rendering and interaction of light with objects and so on, mm -hmm. right? And it's the same kind of physics is interaction of, of current and ions and, mm -hmm. and materials and molecules and all the different chemistry and physics thermodynamics uh, effects mm -hmm. over time. That's incredible. Yeah, so that can be very, very interesting, I think. That is so exciting. Yeah, it's like biology. I mean, it's there like are biology. all these different fields <laughs> that you can think of that. Yeah, yeah. And ours is in that little living mm -hmm. cuboid filled with electrolyte, but anode, is, and cathode. But is that what happens at some uh, pharmaceutical companies? Is that what they have to do? I mean, they would have to do that if they're doing testing of certain... Yeah, so I think they, they have to study the interaction of proteins and, mm -hmm. and drugs with proteins and how... Uh, you do that, and that's that's come a long way as well. Yeah, right. You can study it outside the body first. Except, I was just saying, instead of testing it on humans, right? <laughs> and you can study it on the genetic code. Yeah, and you can study, you know, the protein folding work mm -hmm. that uh, Google DeepMind has done with mm -hmm. AlphaFold too. It's incredible. That's amazing. Is being able to unfold those proteins and yeah. understand how they fold out and how that is a property of mm -hmm. what drugs to make is a very, very cool phenomenon. And you have similar areas in, in batteries that are, I'm not going to say much about it because you're not super public, but <laughs> no, of course uh, not. yeah, there are some very interesting bets yeah. that we've made there. So, I mean, when I talked to uh, Merlin about cathode active material and what the future looks like and the, the research and so on into, well, just making better materials and more pure materials. Mm. Is there the same thing in, in the field of the battery manufacturing process with AI machine learning? or I mean, are there ongoing research? There is some novelty mm -hmm. that we will see. I'm, I'm not going to say like we'll be able to make new materials. No, uh, no. But I just yeah. meant like, I mean, yeah. we're obviously not the only ones looking right. at this. I'm just curious if it's like an industry thing where there has been research done that shared that. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, we are obviously standing on the shoulders of certain giants. Mm -hmm. There is, I, I will, I will give credit to to the team. There is a fair amount of innovative thinking. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's sort of the North Vault way, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's also important to think about the way we have crafted the talent at mm -hmm. North Vault comes from different areas. It's not just battery manufacturing. Yeah. Right? And that brings forward a, a real cultural catalyst that we can bring people from semiconductors or astrophysics exactly, or yeah. health sensing mm -hmm. or biology and have them transfer some of the knowledge that they are very familiar with mm -hmm. to similar first principles problems that we have in battery yeah. manufacturing. So I think there is a fair amount of chance mm -hmm. that we see uh, significant innovation in manufacturing. Yeah. And we're already seeing that. Uh, if you go talk to Michael Regan, who leads uh, the manufacturing engineering team, mm -hmm. uh, they've got some really interesting work going on mm -hmm. around um, innovating manufacturing processes. Yeah. And uh, I suggest you invite him mm -hmm. or someone from his team, Brendan Absolutely. or yeah. Nils or someone from mm -hmm. his team to the podcast. Yeah. And you talk about manufacturing. Mm -hmm. Uh, that would be the right set of people to to mm -hmm. think about manufacturing innovation, yeah. right? I think we can add a lot in terms of optimizing 
certain ways of handling information and data. Mm-hmm. I think that's exciting. I think sensing is a very underappreciated area. We have run-of-the-mill sensors that mm-hmm. we deploy. Yeah. The vendors, you know, sell them at five, six, ten times the marking, the cost at which they build, mm-hmm. and we've we we know that that's a little bit of a monopoly. Yeah. Because uh, it's a challenging thing to integrate sensors mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. in an industrial scale yeah. at that speed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there we we are really thinking hard mm-hmm. on what bets to make yeah. in innovating certain sensing technologies. Mm-hmm. We're public with our investment in a company like Liminal, yeah. which is mm-hmm. uh, using ultrasound, mm-hmm. 2D ultrasound sensing to to sense battery defects. Yeah. Uh, so that's a that's one example of how we are thinking about. Uh, yeah, I saw I actually saw some of those machines. Yeah, I was up at that. That was yeah, fun. Did to you see. see the big arm that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, that's a. Uh, well, that's you know, exciting. Sean Stephenson has uh, it's his baby. He's oh, okay. uh, brought it from a little desktop lab uh-huh. setup to that mm-hmm. big setup uh, under his flesh and uh, Sean Stephenson. That's crazy. It's in its yeah. own little yeah. sort of space now. Yeah, yeah but that, cool. that that's the thing is exciting when you have people coming from different parts of different industries, but they might have been exposed to or worked with something similar, but just not with the battery manufacturing process. And like you said, they could come in with mm. very unique perspectives and mm. innovation. I think that's super exciting. So what do you, this is going to be, I, I don't know, maybe you have a clear answer to this, but uh, this is my final big picture question for you. What do you think the the future looks like? What what, I, what is the what does Norfolk at look like in 15 years? 15 years, wow. With AI machine oh, learning. I haven't thought, thought about that. <laughs> You know, Peter keeps saying focus close. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but if you just think big picture for yourself, how you've seen things grow and yeah, what you've think, seen at you know, 60 gigawatt hours of battery lines humming mm-hmm. um, upstream. With data just seamlessly going through plant, everywhere. Producing our active material, mm-hmm. you know, the robots in, in Revolt going 24 7. Mm-hmm. It's a full on humming, humming factory. Yeah. That's what. Uh, and I hope it doesn't take us 15 years, but sooner than but that. You see everything going seamlessly, like you said, from cell design to R&D up to manufacturing. I don't see another choice. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, so we, gotta be there. we, we, we have yeah. to we have to be there. Mm-hmm. That's that is the commitment. And that's the challenge that we have to take. Yeah. Uh, and we have to accept mm-hmm. and be optimistic that we will get there yeah. together. That's where I see us going. In terms of AI and 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 data and and how we use data, and I think we will keep up with the rest of the industry. Maybe we'll be ahead in some areas, mm-hmm. because I I do see the the culture is very different from a traditional commodity manufacturing company. Mm-hmm. Culture here is very different, so I think that will be our key enabler. Yeah, to really think out of the box, mm-hmm. and you know my I I work. My previous employer, there's a lot about, uh, there's a lot said about culture, mm-hmm. on why that company really excels at producing a, a new phone every year or a new MacBook every year, yeah. and so on. So I think I think culture is a huge driver. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it is that, very unique here. <laughs> that is that is definitely going to be a big enabler for uh, the company and people embracing and our customers embracing AI, machine learning, uh, modern technologies uh, into our process and design. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you so much. It was awesome. Is there anything else you want to add? No, I hope uh, this was was fun. And (laughs) uh, you got a few names to bring on next. I do, Uh, yeah. You should bring every single person (laughs) I mentioned. Uh, Marcus, uh, you should bring Mike O'Regan. You're name dropping everyone. Yeah, I'm name dropping (laughs) everyone. Uh, You should bring Sean Stephenson and and Andreas from from Eth. Mm -hmm. A few people, you know, are really driving hard on vision. yeah, it's Julian Eiler and my team, and and uh, Ida, and there are a bunch of folks in mm-hmm. in Et. So that's what I love about group, this. You should do yeah, a group a podcast. group podcast exactly. Yeah. We just yeah. talk about the so future cool. and what everything will look like. Yeah, so I've been watching some of those YouTube podcast things where they do a group mm-hmm. podcast. It's yeah. actually quite fun. I know. Yeah, that's the goal. Yeah, the goal is to get there. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay, thank this you so much, awesome. Sid. Thanks. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you.